Time for today's Spotlight on KRWC and our third Tuesday of the month. We visit with Adam Austing with the University of Minnesota Extension Service and agricultural educator in the area. Adam, good morning to you. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Sounds good. Well, we're going to uh, wrap up a few things, including uh, the fall harvest, I guess. And uh, there's a few things on the calendar here that, you know, we kind of got into uh, a little bit of a hopeful pattern there, I think, during uh, some of the summertime activities were able to be held. But, boy, the instant we move back in, the uh, COVID uh, just spiraled up again. So we're going to uh, go back online with a few things. But... uh, Maybe the growing season is a, a good place to start. Everybody pretty well wrapped up now? Yeah, I think if you looked hard, you could still find uh, probably a cornfield here and there that isn't completely gone. But I'd say for the most part, we're probably, you know, right up at that 98 or 99% of the acres are are out of the field and into the bin. So I think, uh, I think farmers are, uh, for the most part, okay with the snow at this point because as long as as long as the crop isn't out there, um, you know, that's obviously the big thing. How about the tillage for those that are done? Did they get that pretty well wrapped up, too? Yeah, there was a lot of fall tillage done this year. Um, even, I'd say, maybe even a little bit more than what you might see in a normal year, just because we have had so much time. And with this snow insulating the ground, we're not anywhere near frozen. I mean, it's probably a little bit stiff this morning after how cold it got. Um, but, you know, once you get under that first inch of soil, we're definitely not seeing any any sort of freezing going on. So if this snow happens to melt or if it's, you know, not making fields too muddy, which it looks like it probably actually is in most cases, there's still opportunities to get out there and, and do some tillage. I've seen a lot of fertilizer applications going on yet. Um, so that this is a good time to maybe be doing that if you're doing some some fall phosphorus on alfalfa or something like that. Kind of an interesting uh, fall season here so far. Uh, we started out looking like uh, winter was here to stay. Uh, about the 20th of October, we had six or seven inches of snow, and then that all went away. And then last week, we had another combined six or seven inch snowfall from a couple different uh, uh, systems that came through. So we've had some snow, but uh, looks like it's the first part is melted, and I would bet you that by midweek we're going to be pretty well gone with this stuff, too. Yeah, it's kind of been going back and forth for a while now, hasn't it? It was cold in October and then kind of warmed up. I actually, uh, opener of deer hunting, I was Saturday afternoon, and I went out to the stand in a T-shirt, which isn't obviously <laughs> normal for you know November in Minnesota. So it's been really back and forth and kind of strange. And, you know, this week we're looking at some warmer weather again. Things, you know, snow will probably disappear for the most part. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty interesting. Definitely not anything like what we were dealing with last year. So it's been a, it's been a much more enjoyable harvest and growing season, I think, for, for most folks. Any numbers in yet on the yields at all? Or Yeah, I the state uh, numbers are in. Uh, those their estimates and they'll they usually wait till january to have you know their final numbers and everything like that um but they've pretty much settled in on what things are looking like for the state of minnesota uh, the average for corn was 202 bushels which is a record breaker and up 29 bushels a year from last year so 
You know, if you think of corn, it's originally from, you know, Mexico or southwest United States. It's kind of a plant that likes dry heat and, you know, long growing seasons where last year we had cool, we had a lot of a lot of water, and we had um, a shorter growing season because we couldn't get in early in the year. So pretty much a complete flip on from 2019 to 2020, which is really cool to see. And then soybeans average, uh, I think it was either 51 or 52 bushels an acre uh, across the state, which is just barely above average. Um, and I think that's up, I think they said seven bushels from last year. So soybeans are, you know, a little bit more of that resilient crop where it kind of seems sometimes like no matter what you do to them, they're going to just do what they do. So, um, you know, they they can handle a lot and they don't necessarily always give you the response you might want if you give them that extra care and attention too. So um, not seeing huge changes in that in the soybeans there, but um, still definitely a good year all around. And I'd say these numbers apply to Wright County pretty well. Um, if anything, maybe we're just a tick higher because um, things have things have looked really good for the most part right in our area. Was it a pretty good year for uh, the hay growers uh, in the area too? Yeah, it was a it was a really good year for the most part. Um, with the thing with hay is you always get some people that get unlucky where you get the small the small rain showers or something to move through that throws your cutting schedule off or your hay ends up getting rained on something like that. So um, definitely not a universal thing, but for the most part, we had rain when we needed it. We had dry stretches to get it out of the field, um, and things were looking really good. And I actually heard um, there was at least one dairy farm in in uh, Wright County that actually got a fifth cutting off their off their established alfalfa crops, which is almost unheard of in Minnesota. So to get that extra cutting, get that extra harvest in, uh, that's a really big boost for you know just the production that that land has given you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, and it's it helps out too because at least um, you know I can remember the last uh, you know couple of years hay's been a little bit scarce you know and people really kind of digging to find it uh, at times so hopefully it'll be a little more plentiful too. Yeah, that's definitely a big thing. The hay market is just so hard to put a finger on. Um, that's you know there's a lot of reasons for that, and the biggest one though is you know it's such a local sort of market. Yeah, you can buy hay from Canada or Montana or North Dakota, um, but, you know, the cost to get it to you at that point is just so crazy. So the hay market is always one we're trying to keep an eye on and, you know, see see how things are looking in the area. But, um, you know, hopefully the good news is that farmers with livestock aren't having to buy quite as much hay. At least for them, that would be a good thing for some sort of just hay producer um, obviously, you always want that demand to be there, but um, yeah, I think think things are looking good from that standpoint, and uh, we'll see what the prices do. I guess I haven't looked recently to see how, how things are responding to to this growing season. We're talking with Adam Austing, University of Minnesota uh, Extension Ag uh, Educator in our area for Wright County on our spotlight here today. Well, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about some events that have gone back to being virtual now uh, because of the uh, the COVID uh, enormous amount of cases that have exploded here. So it's kind of 
sort of change things back to uh, holding on to the online stuff for now. Yeah, so we were still planning with most things to keep them online just because we weren't sure what things were going to look like. Um, and now that's starting to look like a good idea again. Um, so I'll actually just start with our No to Grow series because I actually just got done with our first of five uh, sessions for that one. So this is a webinar that uh, myself and one other local educator, Katie Druitt, up in Stearns, Benton, and Morrison counties. Um, she and I put together this series because um, what we hear from smaller farms a lot is, you know, a lot of times, yeah, I figured out how to, you know, grow my vegetables or get good production out of out of my goats or sheep, whatever it might be. They've got the farming part figured out, but sometimes what they need is to kind of fill the gaps in their marketing strategy for their farm and for the products that they have. So this series um, goes through a bunch of different topics that questions that we get from small farms. So um, today we talked about Facebook Live and some other social media stuff. On Friday, we'll be talking about uh, farmers markets. How do you get into a market? Um, how do you be successful once you're in a market? Well, it goes along with that one. So we'll have a couple different um, farmers market managers joining us for that, including uh, Jeff from Buffalo. So a real local example there to see how see how things look. So that'd be a great one for small farmers. Um, the rest of the series, we're looking at grants and partnerships for Minnesota farmers, you know, maybe getting a little bit of money to try something new on your farm. We're going to talk about knowing your customer uh, so that you can, you know, really cater to the wants and needs of who your customer is. And then we're going to dig in on our last session uh, into agritourism and how, how that might look to get your farm set up to, you know, have people come tour the farm or pick their own food, or maybe it's just a farm stand of some sort that you have as well. So um, I think it's going to be a really fun series. This morning went really well. Um, I think I think people appreciate, you know, getting to have conversations about these topics. So that's one, uh, if it's interesting to you, um, you can still register for that right up until the very last day. So z.umn.edu slash no, uh, the number two grow. So no to grow. So that that's the big one for me right now. That's where a lot of my attention is. Um, but moving on, we got another one um, just set up, getting into the very final details. And Tim, you'll actually be seeing the materials for this probably on Monday. Um, we're going to have a caterpillar tunnel discussion. And what a caterpillar tunnel is, is kind of like a high tunnel. Um, where you just kind of have um, metal, a metal frame with plastic draped over the top. Uh, the main idea there is usually to, you know, keep those early spring or late fall frost off your crops and really extend that season. Um, but people use it for other things too, as far as soil health, pest management, um, a lot of different things like that too. So it'll be Myself, uh, Sarah Lindblom, who owns Solar Fresh Produce, just kind of southeast of Buffalo. Um, so she is in her first year of using a Caterpillar tunnel, so she'll let us know how things went for her there. Um, we'll also have Natalie Hoydal, who is the UMN Extension vegetable expert, and she'll give her thoughts um, and experiences with these sort of systems. And then we'll also have Troy Salzer, who's a local educator like myself, up in northeast Minnesota in St. Louis County, uh, but he also has a small farm with 
with a lot of beef and also a lot of vegetable productions. Kind of a kind of a niche farm there, and he's actually using them. His main goal is to keep the deer off his veggies because the deer up there are so bad in his area. So, you know, we'll kind of have different perspectives from two different farmers, um, different goals, different parts of the state. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that one. And so that be for any, you know, vegetable gardeners, fruit or vegetable or fruit farmers, or, you know, really avid gardeners that are maybe looking into these structures as well. So they're pretty cheap and pretty easy to set up, which is why they're really gaining popularity uh, in the last couple of years or so. All right. Um, and you call, them, and you call them caterpillar tunnels. Yeah, because the way that they actually are built, um, so you put up these, just kind of these hoops, these metal hoops as your frame, mm-hmm. and then you just drag a tarp across the top of them. And so the way that they kind of get set up kind of resembles a caterpillar tunnel. So that's how they got that name. Got it. And then they're just nice round structures too. So um, a lot of people are more familiar with high tunnels, which is very similar, except for high tunnels usually have hard ends to them with kind of a wall, whereas caterpillar tunnels just kind of, you just kind of use the plastic at the end. So just kind of a little bit simpler structure. Um, some people actually will move these caterpillar tunnels year to year. They'll just move them, you know, across their field or across their farm uh, because they're pretty easy to, they're pretty easy to move. So um, with, you know, if you get a, if you get two or three people that really know what they're doing and you have a really big caterpillar tunnel, you could probably still get it moved in a half a day. So um Simple things that still that still really do their job and accomplish what you want them to accomplish. So um, they're pretty cool, and we'll see what Sarah and Troy have to say about them on December tenth at six thirty. Okay. Then you've got uh, um, soil I, management. What's that? You've got soil management uh, as well coming up. Oh yeah, so the soil management summit. That's a new name for what used to be the conservation tillage conference. I think that conference usually moved back and forth between St. Cloud and Mankato. Um, this year it would have been down in Mankato, but of course instead it's going to be completely online this year. So only 50 bucks compared to I think it's only oh, about 180 and you don't have to travel anywhere. So it might be a really good opportunity um, if you're interested in soil health or reducing tillage to save money or utilizing cover crops, whatever that might be. Um, this would be definitely kind of the conference for you. So I actually attended this one in person last year and it's probably, it might be the favorite conference, um, that I've been a part of in extension. So really cool stuff there. That'll be, uh, December 15th and 16th each day. It goes from about nine to one. So really good, cheap, um, opportunity there to get some really cool information um, we have scientists and experts of all sorts speaking through that throughout that day, but there's also farmers panels and you know people with the with the hands on you know feet on the ground in the dirt experience to share what they what works for them as well. So um, yeah, definitely a really cool one there that I'd suggest you sign up for um, if you're a farmer interested in, like I said, soil health. Uh, reducing tillage so you don't have to drag that plow through the field and spend money on diesel, um, you know, all those different sort of things, planting cover crops to reduce erosion in the fall and spring um, all come into play. So um, that's one I, I highly, highly recommend for farmers in Wright County. 
Um, moving right along, I guess, we have, I'll quickly mention uh, CPM Connect. Uh, that stands for Crop Pest Management Connect. Normally, this is a short course uh, down in Minneapolis for, you know, egg professionals, agronomists, uh, salesmen, that sort of uh, people, or maybe really, really intensive agronomy-heavy farmers as well would definitely have a shot here. Um, but that's going to be moved online as well. That's going to be December 8th through the 10th from about 2 to or 10 to 2.30 each day. So uh, just a quick note there for any, you know, egg professionals or crop farmers that might be interested in that one. And then I'll move to, I'll quickly mention, uh, there's a winter GAP series. And what GAP stands for is Good Agricultural Practices. And this is a focus for mostly your fruit and vegetable producers to um uh, keep food safe and clean and healthy for everyone. So, you know, what's, what's considered the best practice, um, to, you know, reduce the chance of any germs or foodborne illnesses spreading, um, from farmer or from worker to the eventual consumer is the idea there for the most part. Um, so that's a really good one. That one's going to be going on, uh, from November 19th is the first one all the way through the winter to March 18th. So that's another good uh, opportunity for our small farms. And then lastly, um, I'll talk about the land rent meeting that you um, had mentioned. So um, we were hoping to do this in person at the Wright County Government Center in Buffalo. Um, but with the things changing, we decided it would be best uh, to just go ahead and move these online um, because we're not sure exactly what things are looking like. We're not sure what the requirements would be. And of course, we don't want to put anybody in a bad spot to get to get sick or anything like that. So that'll be that got moved online. Um, we're still looking at the same time of December 11th at 10 a.m. for the Buffalo focused or the Wright County focused land rent meeting. It'll just be online. Um, but there are also a lot of other opportunities. Um, they have regional Zoom meetings set up so that already. So because they are planning to do one in person in Buffalo, um, we're going to just replace that with a, with a virtual one, but also, and I don't have the dates in front of me. I know there's a regional focused one for Hutchinson, and I know there's a regionally focused one for St. Cloud, too. So it's a couple neighboring counties that are pretty close. It could probably get you the same, same general feel for how, for how the land rent market is looking in our area. So a lot of different, and there's other opportunities where they'll focus on different areas throughout the state too. So if you if you rent land from a landowner, or if you are a landowner um, with some land to rent, this is a really good one year to year, just to kind of keep updated on what the numbers are looking like, and um, and making sure you're getting a good, a fair deal for both sides. Yeah, we've got a story running uh, on the uh, news today here at KRWC about uh, some of those land rent meetings. And again, back online with those. You also uh, wanted to mention before we go, a private pesticide applicator license. A little bit of change because of the inability to be in person with that, too. Yeah, so traditionally these have just been like half-a-day workshops where farmers come and check in and go ahead and listen to us talk about some different uh Topics related to mostly uh, pesticide applications. So um, basically, as, as farmers know or anybody with this license knows, um, farmers are required to have 
uh, private pesticide applicator licenses if you're going to be applying pesticides on your own land. So that needs to be recertified every three years, and that's when we'd see these farmers coming back to our workshops is when they're up for recertification after three years. Um, well, those are going to be moved online. So we won't be able to do any in-person workshops. Uh, these typically are held in January and February, and they still will be um, because licenses expire or go out of date. Uh, I think in, I don't know if it's the beginning or end of March. Um, but yeah, so those workshops that farmers are used to going to are going to be held online on Zoom. Um, but to make it easier for farmers to get recertified, there's a lot of other options too. So you can attend an online Zoom workshop or you can um, go through a Canvas course. And Canvas is just kind of a hosting site. Um, it's the site that the U of M uses for all its online courses. So it you kind of take you through, uh, probably watch some videos, read some stuff, just kind of at your own pace and on your own time um, with nobody there live joining you. Uh, if you complete that, that would also count towards uh, getting recertified with that private pesticide license. Um, there's also an online test that you can take where I think it's just a multiple choice test where you go through and if you pass, you'll be recertified. And of course, we still have the physical paper test that you can pick up in the extension office as well. So, and then you'd have to mail that into St. Paul. So four options there for you if you're up to be recertified this year. Um, and I, I'm more than willing to help help guide you through any of those options too for anybody that's maybe a little bit unsure about which which route they want to take or if they're a little uncomfy with the technology, anything like that, I'm definitely more than willing to help out. Yeah, because this one is one that in more circumstances than not is kind of attended in person in the past. I mean, you go in person and get certified. It's all kind of a one-day thing and and you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think, you know that's kind of the that's kind of the route farmers wish that you go this year again. You know, just go hang out in a warm building for a few hours with some of your farmer friends. Uh, we usually have some snacks there for you, so you don't get hungry or thirsty or anything like that. And then, uh, you know, when things wrap up, you get a chance to talk to your friends and stuff like that. So we're kind of sad we're going to be missing that element of it this year. Um, but you know, that online Zoom workshop will try to. We'll try to make it just as good as those in-person experiences. Um, and, and you know, if you don't feel like like maybe that online stuff is for you, um, that kind of leaves you just with the paper test for this year. Um, but that uh, that's not the end of the world either, I feel like, because it's pretty... If you've been applying pesticides for a long time, it's information that you that's probably in your head already, so... Um, but yeah, this is a partnership with MDA where they kind of, you know, we work with them to give the education piece and they just make sure all of their, all of their different um, topics or different subject areas kind of get covered. So, Okay. And if they have questions, they can just call you on that too. Yep, definitely. Okay. Anything else we're missing here this morning? No, that kind of wraps things up. A lot of online opportunities for you this winter um, and uh, some good stuff for small farms, good stuff for your more traditional crop farmers. So um, hopefully hopefully, uh, people are finding some time to jump on the computer this fall. Well, lots of things to be uh, putting in the 
to be thankful for column here as we approach Thanksgiving. Good growing season and some outstanding numbers and uh, good harvest season. So it's uh, it's not all bad, thankfully. Yeah, definitely. And to go right along with that, prices have been looking pretty good for corn and soybeans lately. So not only did we get a little bit more out of the field, we're going to be getting a little bit more when we bring it to the elevator or wherever you happen to sell your grain. Sounds good. Adam Austing, Extension Educator with Wright County, our guest on today's Spotlight. Thank you, sir, and we'll talk to you again in the future. All right, sounds good. Thank you, Tim. Okay, that's today's Spotlight for you right here on KRWC.